Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast, Mind the Health Gap. Um, Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, hi. How you been? Stress. How's your week? First How's your month? All, first of all, first of all, guys, disclaimer, we recorded this last week. On Friday. And what happened? Honestly, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, the fact we had to do, we had really good content for you guys, and all of this was, when we played it back, silence. No As audio, in, literally, no audio. Si- like, le- let, us, let us, what, what's the word? Demonstrate, like this. Legit, for 54 minutes. <laughs> 54, 54 minutes. It's fine. But see, we're very consistent. Very consistent. We're back within two days. So this happened on Friday, and today is Monday. And we're doing it again. Bear in so mind, we're students as well. So stu- studious students. Exactly. Right? It's fine. Yep. Anyway, so we're back, guys, with oh. a new theme. What mm-hmm. are we talking about, Mohammed? Yep. So this month, we're going to talk about sickle cell and the disease, how it's diagnosed, mm-hmm. symptoms, mm-hmm. Uh, what it means to have the sickle cell trait, yep. and what it's like living with sickle cell anemia. Yep. So this week, we're going to just look at the disease and what it means to have the have disease. It, yeah. So this episode is going to be in two parts. The first part, we're just go- it's going to be a brief introductory on what the disease is. Yeah, symptoms. Uh, symptoms, um, how it's treated. How it's diagnosed. Yep. And the second part is going to be about other factors that influence the disease. Yeah. Um, the link with mental health. Yep. And um, Which is often overlooked. Exactly. Yeah. And also, we're going to try and talk about the existing organizations that are already helping people with, with the yeah. with the condition. So as like Mohammed just outlined, it's going to be in two parts. The first part is going to be me asking him questions about it. He's going to answer it. Second part, uh, he's going to ask me questions and I'm going to answer them. Are you ready, Mo? Uh, yeah. All right, let's, let's go. start. So, Mohammed. What is sickle cell disease and how do you get it? It's an inherited disorder of the red blood cells mm-hmm. and it can affect anyone. Yep. But the common people that it affects is the African Caribbean background. Yeah. Those with South Asian Mediterranean backgrounds. Yeah. And this condition is thought to affect 13,000 people. Wow. And the majority are, like I said, from the African and Caribbean descent. Yeah. It's inherited from both parents, mm-hmm. so it's a recessive disorder. Yeah. If both parents have the trait, there's a one in four chance of each child being bo- born with the disease. Yeah. There's also one in half chance that the child would have the sickle cell trait, and one in a, one in four that they won't have the sickle cell or inherit the trait. Right. And if you look at the biology, it's mm-hmm. actually caused by a mutation on the hemoglobin genes. Yeah. And in particular on the chromosome eleven, yeah. That and the hemoglobin carries oxygen, mm-hmm. and um, so it changes the the mutation changes the way the efficacy of the gene hemoglobin basically, yeah. And um, yeah, people get uh, they cause different different variants of the disease, yeah. And ultimately, it causes the red blood cells to become sickle shaped, yeah, blocking the capacity that it carries. Oxygen, oxygen, so low low oxygen tension. Mm, that explains the name of the disease. The exactly. Sickle cell, right? Okay, so what are the main symptoms of uh, sickle cell disease? So the main symptom is painful episodes, mm-hmm. 
most common and detrimental symptoms of the sickle cell. The pain occurs when blood vessels get blocked and it's referred to as sickle cell crisis. And there are low oxygen levels in the person's red blood cells, Mm -hmm. in particular particular areas of the body, Mm -hmm. like the back, legs, abdomen, chest. This is where the pain comes from. Yeah. Uh, the hemoglobin in the cell becomes hard, thread-like, so it, it gets this sticky attribute to it, basically. Yeah. And the cells form a blockage. Mm-hmm. Pain episodes vary between people. Yeah. So And it's based on triggers. And the triggers, it's unclear on what the triggers are, so it could range from weather, yeah. uh, dehydration, stress, strenuous exercise. Yeah. So every individual's got different triggers. Mm-hmm. What else? And anemia. Mm-hmm. Nearly all the people with sickle cell have anemia. Sometimes it can get worse if you become affected, infected with that virus yeah. that causes uh, slap cheek syndrome yeah. or it's called a parvovirus. Pa- parvo what? Parvovirus. Parvo yeah. Right. Okay. And it can lead to a sudden drop in the number of red blood cells. Ah. Okay. And uh, it may cause additional symptoms like headaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rapid heartbeat, dizziness, and you get a lot of peop- uh, people with sickle cell fainting. Yeah. Uh, but it's usually treated with a blood transfusion, where we will talk about blood transfusions in next week's episode and the importance of, um, of significance it. of yeah. blood transfusions. Yeah, okay. What else, man? What other symptoms? The other symptom mm-hmm. is um, getting infections like colds, mm-hmm. meningitis. Yeah. So usually vaccinations and antibiotics are sus- uh, p- prescribed, prescribed to yeah. those with sickle cell. And children who have sickle cell uh, usually have routine vaccinations and additional vaccinations right, like okay. the annual flu vaccination. Mm-hmm. Yep. And guys, if you haven't listened to already, please go back and listen to our first theme on vaccinations to get more information about stuff like that. But anyways, back to... Our question, our line of questioning. The third question I want to ask Mohammed is, how is uh, sickle cell disease diagnosed? Um, usually it's detected during pregnancy or yeah. after birth. Mm-hmm. So during pregnancy, there's a lot of screening. And um, pregnant women are usually um, offered blood tests to see if they're carriers. Oh, okay. In areas where sickle cell is less common, a questionnaire about your family origins and if you've, so if you've got a, Dad, if your dad's got sickle cell, yeah, and possibly your mom as well. Uh, if there's carriers within your family tree, and usually um, you're asked along along with these questionnaires, you're given a blood test, mm-hmm. and then again that brings out the question of is this ethically viable? Yeah, is, should we be doing this? Yeah, um, and then also a screening is carried out before ten weeks of pregnancy. Uh, so you and your partner's uh, partner can essentially decide if you want to carry on with the pregnancy. That ain't right, man. It isn't. So again... Kind of eugenics, like... But very. <laughs> but people have options. Um, and what else? In, yeah. in antenatal screening, offered to newborn babies as part of the Hill prick test. Mm-hmm. And um, this is done when the baby's seven days old. This test indicates whether the baby has sickle cell... Um, and if the and um, yeah, so you can have do further tests to yeah. kind of uh, confirm this. 
Um, if the so if the baby's got sickle cell, um, then sorry, yeah, a second blood test will be carried on yeah. to confirm the diagnosis. Okay. And it's a national screening program okay. that was established in the UK by the NHS in 2001. Wow. And it's it's been going for like 20, 18, year, 18 years, <laughs> actually. Maths, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> close enough. Yeah. 18 years, so... Um, but has anything actually improved, though? I mean, parents are now more likely to find out if their child's got so much earlier so much earlier instead of finding out when the child's born Mm -hmm. so i guess it gives parents that relief Mm -hmm. and um it kind of helps them adapt and be prepared for having a child with a uh, disorder like that yeah which wasn't the case say 30 40 years ago fair enough okay fair enough um were you done with yep okay um so how like how is it treated or managed? I mean, with sickle cell, there's no treatment for sick, uh, like no treatments that are viable. Mm-hmm. But it can be managed uh, as a li- lifelong treatment kind yeah, of thing, like a chronic disease. Type. Exactly, okay. and this is through different healthcare professionals working together to kind of specialize, uh, like a patient-centered um, approach. Yeah, like having um, care plans. Care plans, yeah, okay. exactly. Individualized right. care plans mm. where most people would like sickle cell manage by avoiding the triggers that cause them to go into the crisis. Uh-huh. So if your sickle cell is caused by dehydration, if one of the triggers is dehydration, your care plan is going to remind you to drink. drink plenty of fluids to yeah. stay hydrated. Okay. Uh, if you if you're, if you get triggered by cold temperatures, yeah. you're going to, the care plan is going to specialize in look and try and get you to, wear warm clothes mm-hmm. stay inside mm-hmm. stay indoors mm-hmm. and avoid like temperature change like sudden nice. temperature change okay also there's the blood transfusion i can't say that word properly transfusion transfusion, transfusion. transfusion. Really not that hard, bro. i'm dying transfusion <laughs> yeah or um automated red cell exchange and um this is to manage the anemia mm-hmm. so red cell exchange is where we where the hospitals or remove blood containing sickle cell yeah. hemoglobin yeah. and replace it with healthy blood from a donor and um okay. this like we said before the disease disproportionately affects those from S- south asian caribbean and african, african descent yeah. that's why having a donor is significant in actually like managing this disease yeah and as the lack of donors in within people from that community yeah so we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna have an episode in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who need a lot of blood blood transfusion may need to take a medicine called a chelation therapy. Chelation therapy. Yep. Yeah. And this reduces the amount of iron in their blood to safe levels. Mm-hmm. Anemia caused by sickle cell disease is not the same as the iron deficiency anemia that you take supplements for. Is it like, not? It's not. So it's not what some wily girls have. Um, uh, do you not do you not have anemia? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you can't really just take iron supplements if you've got right, sickle anemia, it and it's dangerous as well. Okay. Um, but you can have dietary supplements like folic acid, which helps stimulate uh, the production of red blood cells, mm-hmm. and um, and it helps improve anemia. 
especially if your child has a restricted diet. So like if they're vegetarian or vegan, basically. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And um, technology and innovation has led to stem cell or bone marrow mm-hmm. transplants yeah. uh, as also being a cure for sickle cell disease. But then again, the ramifications and just the risk attached to quite risky, yeah. Can this is quite like hard to actually people health professionals would rather you go down the blood transfusion route or the other manageable routes than this because it's high risk uh, stem cell transplants are um, yeah usually considered only for children with who have severe symptoms of sickle cell and exactly so it's only if you've got severe sim- uh, symptoms and um Wait, I don't understand that though because if you're saying the risks are so great, why would you do it with, with children? They are like probably the most vulnerable people. Wait, that's a great question. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, they've. I mean, children still have cells that are constantly growing. They're still growing yeah. in a sense, so it's easier to intervene whilst they're at that. Exactly, stage. they've got cells maturing as they grow, and I think when they say children, I'm probably looking at like very like probably infant yeah i guess they're probably thinking that the the benefit of the transplant out outweigh the risks exactly. in the long term so there's less chance of rejection like body rejection okay than say someone who's like 70 years old and yeah old. okay Fez. yeah okay and uh, i said like i said pain was is uh, one of the main symptoms symptoms mm. And that can be managed by take, taking a treatment uh, called uh, hydroxyurea. So it's a, it's a medicine that basically taken as a capsule once a day yeah. and it kind of lo- lowers the amount of other blood cells, mm. such as white blood cells. So mm. it act essentially weakens your immune system. Yeah. Makes you susceptible to other diseases. To infections, yeah. So again, would you want to take that to... That's why a lot of people with sickle cell have comorbid Dizzy, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But oh. then again, you'll have you have regular blood test tests to monitor your health. Sorry, I'm having a long day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Well, which leads me very nicely into my next question. Like, so what are the other um, um health risks? Um, people with sickle cell are also risk. Uh, are also at risk. Of complications such as stroke, acute chest syndrome, blindness, bone damage, priapism. So this is a persistent, painful erection of the penis. Right. I'm pretty sure you don't want to have that. Nope. Uh, also, over time, people with sickle cell can experience damage to organs such as the liver, kidney, lungs, mm-hmm. heart, and spleen. And ultimately, ultimately, you can also <laughs> die. Like you can yeah, actually that's die like from the this. Worst yeah. outcome you can have from this. Exactly. So, um, more or less, treatment in this sense focuses on preventing and treating the complication. Right. Okay. Um, can can I mean you've kind of answered this, but like, can can sickle cell exist in comorbidity with other unknown disorders? So, like, nothing that you've specified before. Yes. Uh, aside from obviously the physical health issues mentioned above, mm-hmm. it can coexist with mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, uh, PTSDs. Right, and I think I'm gonna go into more depth. Yeah, in the second, in the second part of that. 
but yeah. very interesting. And um, we've spoken a lot about those who actually are sufferers of sickle cell disease or those with sickle cell disease. What about those that have sickle cell trait? Those uh, with the trait, uh, they, st- they still suffer from complications yeah. for how they live. The majority of red blood cells in the blood are normal round-shaped cells, mm-hmm. but some sickle-shaped cells may be present under certain conditions. Okay, right, okay. And uh, the sickle cell trait is found in one in four West Africans and one in ten in Afro-Caribbeans. Yeah, so that's Caribbeans of African descent. Yep. Right, okay. It's also found a lot in those people who originate from the Mediterranean, Asia, and Middle, and Middle East. East. Okay. Um, it is less common in white Europeans, although with like diversity, globalization, mm. of course, this will change and the population structure changing yeah. also change and influences. Can I just intercept? So I was actually speaking to someone about this and they told me they told me that um, the the origins of sickle cell actually emerge from they have like colonial ties and with slave masters actually um i don't know like the ins and outs i actually have to cross check this which i will do for the commentary one but like origins of it like emerging particularly in black populations it has colonial links but just thought that might be quite interesting continue yep and yeah just to carry on from what you said yeah mixed race people can also have sickle cell yeah that sounds really dumb but yeah they actually can um but most people who have the sickle cell trait are healthy. So, however, anesthetics can cause problems. So if you've got sickle cell and have a surgery or some sort of, um, yeah, some sort of appointment at hospitals, mm. you're often told to state. So like general a- anesthetics, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, you have to notify your doctor before the operation or to be on the safe side. Uh, fair enough. There's also a small chance that you may experience pain in high altitudes. So especially if you're, if you're an athlete, like Mo Farah, who's a family friend. I love how you name dropped that. You were itching. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he goes to high altitude places, so in mountains to train for yeah. long distance. Yeah. And he's got a friend who's got sickle cell and he can't train and go to these like mountains yeah. and stuff because, because, uh, of because of the fact that... The yeah, pain. Pain, exactly. Yeah. And um, so even like normal, like novel stuff like uh, long haul flying in unpressurized planes, uh, even hiking. Uh, So it kind of affects your everyday life. It kind of intervenes within your lifestyle, which you rarely hear about. Yeah, I can imagine. So like this leads me nicely kind of onto like the last question that I have. On, on this first part like obviously you're not someone with sickle cell we know of people with sickle cell yep. um like um one of our guests who was supposed to be here um yeah uh, um but again she was meant to be here last yeah. week but she couldn't join us because she was administered into hospital, hospital. hospitalized yeah yeah and yeah so we can we can never really say the experiences of, of them those people. But, but like I guess my question to you is like from what you know or like what people have said or even the research that we've done you know what what can we try and convey to people listening like what is the experience of living with sickle cell and like what are the health behaviors that those with sickle cell have to be constantly mindful of because I think that's something that's not often made clear in like 
uh, awareness campaigns. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, uh, you'd have to have a lot of lifestyle choices, basically, so that you can manage the way you live. So these include you're not, you probably won't be able to drink or smoke. Um, so managing pain at home or away from hospital. Yeah. So um, university, looking at like if you could study at the same time. Uh, taking breaks from mm-hmm. university, taking breaks from work, yeah. uh, even uh, pregnancy. Can you have a healthy pregnancy while you're receiving some of the drugs that you're getting for yeah. your sickle cell? Yeah. Um, just, um, yeah, like we said, uh, hydroxyurea yeah. medicine yeah. is research has shown that this can harm, like, basically your unborn child. Yeah. So, a lot of people with sickle cell stop taking it beforehand. Mm-hmm. So is it? It's, it's basically pain be your life cycle, lifestyle. Sorry. Yeah. So would you rather do this and that? So it's quite difficult. There's also an increased risk of problems such as anemia. Yeah. Which can affect your pregnancy. So oh, yeah. miscarriages can happen because as a result. So you probably have to be extra vigilant. Yeah. And uh, monitor, and basically. St- take care of your treatment at the same time as being pregnant yep. yeah yeah um, if you're not planning a pregnancy you have to use, use reliable for, uh, form of contraception yeah so, um, that can also th- be affected exactly surprisingly yeah. that can also affect uh, could be affected by sickle the sickle cell disease and another thing that we've never really touched on is uh, self-esteem you could yeah. have low self-esteem missing school university the burden of the sickle cell, the disease can leave a young person feeling kind of isolated yeah. and different to their friends. Yeah, because imagine the amount of time you're missing out, having to spend at hospital appointments. Exactly. At home. Missing from your year group, yeah. from school, university. And um, even the transition from a child to a young person service. The whole and then into adult service. Exactly. Like how... How will the how will you cope? Like how will you and will transition? The re- will the resources be the same to support you in the same way? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And um, oh yeah, so it's th- they have to navigate through these spaces at the same time, build their own support network. Yeah, and of course, there's many support and advocacy groups, such as the Sickle Cell Society, Hackney Advocacy Group. Yeah, and they're doing the Sickle Cell Society. Um, there's quite a few actually I'll, I'll look them up in a bit and then like shout them out at the end yeah they're doing quite very good amazing work, work yeah and I mean to they're shame making the themselves heard exactly despite the cuts but yeah they're doing a very very good job yeah I mean some of them raising awareness some of them don't even get funding from the government though it's all money that they've raised from, from fundraising um, grants like applying for grants it's it's really sad that something that's so pervasive within our community um has to be taken into our own hands when the state supposedly promises universal healthcare coverage yeah for all of us however i wouldn't have it any other way because it shows that we actually care i think yeah when you mobilize yeah a movement uh from your own pockets or even from your own people your community i think it hits home it like. does. It really does. Um, 
Yep, so now let's move on to the second part where I'll be asking you questions on like the history um, of sickle cell and how it was framed from early on. Mm-hmm. And let's let's start. To health. Yeah. yeah, so how did this disease come about? Okay, so pretty much like all diseases in um, the West, it has a really sordid past. So it was discovered in the West in 1910 in the west in the west so go on because it was discovered by it was known by many um african civilizations beforehand and it was referred to different like names by different tribes yeah so that is clear because western biomedicine tends to take account for things that others have discovered <laughs> but yeah it was discovered Shade. by yes people beforehand but only discovered as beauty said in 1910 yeah and once again like when they did discover it testing was done you can guess on who not to cure it or like to find any preventative means but for the advancement of science um and that is often the case with most um diseases that affect people from ethnic minorities it's more more or less a scientific breakthrough yeah than an actual we're gonna help cure this disease yeah um and then in the 60s and 70s um sickle cell became a lightning rod for the civil rights movement um at the time like the average person died before the age of 20 and so like when the black panther was um uh looking at the course so like when they were doing conferences around this was mainly in the u.s but also it tra- it transcended to the black panther party here when they uh started doing survival conferences uh, across the country they got people to sign up to be tested for sickle cell um and that kind of stuff and like so if we move away from like that time till now so like funding and stuff and awareness has increases has has increased however because the quality of care and just the overall management as a result, death rates have actually increased. So not only are the, are the government not funding enough, yeah. people actually die at the hands of the government. Okay. Pretty much so, yeah. Um, yeah, and like the quality of care, you would think with more awareness would increase, but it's actually quite the opposite. So why are we talking about sickle cell if it's on the public health agenda already? So this is the thing, right? So the World Health Organization, and in many countries, if you read like their health profiles, they'll speak, especially countries where there is a large African, Caribbean um, diaspora, or even just communities, uh, even within the African and and Caribbean countries, like a lot of of it is on our health agendas. Um, But like specific to this country, it is on our public health agenda, but the management has the management of sickle cell has remained largely inadequate um for some uh lower middle income income countries in the caribbean in um uh africa asia latin america national control programs such as the one we established in 2001 don't exist and the basic facilities that are usually there to manage sickle cell are just not present so like systematic screening is not common practice um and diagnosis is not usually made until a person is in sickle cell crisis uh 
in this country really it's just because like a lot of specialist sickle cell centers are, have, are starting to get closed down um and uh another thing we don't really talk about is the overuse of antibiotics so we know that a lot of health professionals are trying to stop using anti antibiotics now because people with sickle cell are susceptible to infections how do you think that's going to fare for them there's definitely stigma there will be stigma yeah a hundred percent because it will be like well you know we're trying to stop using antibiotics why are you asking me for antibiotics and it's like um hello i'm in pain i'm actually mm. unwell um so that's the thing but like i think the most pervasive thing yeah is race i'm putting it out there Bro, so, um, so yeah <laughs> race is like a really important factor um particularly when you consider the main symptom of sickle cell which is pain and the mismanagement of pain like the intersection of the mismanagement of pain and race is probably the most important factor particularly when it comes to like the african and caribbean that people who are affected with the disease so like i said sickle cell disease is a microcosm of how issues of race ethnicity and identity come into conflict with healthcare so many forums that i've read people that i've spoken to uh, the research that we've done agree that if this disease actually affected um, white people um it won't be the case like of funding wouldn't be slashed there'll be more specialist centers um and the stereotypes what oh, what really gets me like guys I'm, I'm i'm putting my notes down just to, to to get give me a bit of time to run yeah what really gets me is the fact that health professionals who are supposed to deal with uh people with sickle cell uh they themselves have misconceptions and have bias um stereotypes against black people and pain so there's this whole first of all there's this whole ideology that we somehow black people as black people we have higher pain thresholds which is absolutely ridiculous there's a body of literature that will point towards how untrue this is i mean pain is pain pain is pain right Mohammed? if you feel pain you feel pain exactly um not only that but there's also again as we spoke before the the stigma of antibiotics now like with black people and drugs there's already that stereotype of us and what's really upsetting is that for this reason a lot of people with sickle cell who are largely of african and caribbean descent they will shy away from 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 asking for painkillers like stronger painkillers um or even just asking for any drugs because of because they don't want to be treated suspiciously at the cost of their own health right um so like a lot of people suffer in silence as a result of it and uh, like sickle cell patients will often downplay downplay their levels of pain in order to get pain relief faster this is not just specific to black people now this is just like across the spectrum of people who suffer with um pain and the main complaint that Mohammed and i came across in like uh qualitative like research we did um reading of articles like following sickle cell forums was that a lot of people just feel like they're not being believed when they say actually i'm feeling pain um and this is this is this is just a common rhetoric for black people in medicine in exactly like don't you think definitely like if you look at um even within the uk like the pain threshold in uh, black um 
black women who are pregnant. Yeah. You oh, go through childbirth, sorry. But don't even start. Yeah. So there's that mistrust between health professionals and people from the ethnic minorities. Yeah. 100%. And you know what's really sad? Sometimes it's not even like white health professionals. Sometimes it's our own people who in- internalize these things and think, oh my God, you're making this up. There's yeah. nothing wrong. Like it's, I think so. It's an institutional thing. I, so I more really or less think it's, it's an institutional problem. Yeah. Um, and that feeds in very nicely with what I'm about to say with the lack of urgency from emergency services and the uh, NHS regarding those with sick self. So though, like when people get a call, and it's like, oh, I'm feeling pain. I'm in a, I'm in crisis. I'm a sickle cell crisis. Apparently, often emergency staff who do arrive to those people, they they have they don't have basic knowledge of the disease. Um, I still don't think that this is a valid excuse. Like you go through so much training, mm. competencies, right? Why do you not know the basics of sickle cell disease? So, like, I think what is essential is speedy response and urgent treatment most of most often with painkillers um it's 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 crucial when you're having sickle cell crisis so because if you don't like severe crisis can lead to like organ failure of heart lung kidneys and liver so even if also lead to death as well yeah so like even in hospitals like they have like these really detailed procedures for chronic patients and doctors like any doctors are often hesitant to use painkillers um like high levels of painkillers oh yeah and i don't know if i said this before but like people with sickle cell who actually go into any they wait longer than your average wow. patient who goes and you know how long you wait when you go to any wow. oh my god that is it's just diabolical like whenever i have to go to any i just postpone it i'm like you know what i'm fine because i know i'm going to be sitting there for and imagine four if you're to actually going through there you go the pain there you go so essentially like to end my little run only when like the nhs ensures like training and procedures for emergency staff are consistently enforced for um sickle cell patients can there be any change but but what, can, I, can what you say uh, especially from those that are involved in speedy res- response yeah do you think it's fair to say that they should no, should should have knowledge 100%, on sickle cell. A hundred percent. If you can have basic knowledge on any other type of emergency, what's stopping you from knowing about sickle cell? What well, even in this climate that the NHS is in currently? Hundred percent. Universal healthcare coverage means health for all, not some for all. Okay. But not only that, I think what is really it feasible? Is, I think, think it is. I think it is feasible if attitudes towards sickle cell change. And I mean, it can't be it can be done because you look at Crohn's disease, which yeah. predominantly affected white people of Jewish descent. Yeah. And you could definitely see the the way it's been framed and yeah. it's on all the health agendas and it's currently constantly being researched. Yeah. So that those receive the help that they need. Mm-hmm. So do you reckon similar things should be done for sickle cell? hundred percent i think it can be done um okay so let's yeah. move on um, unless wait hang on unless because if you don't more people will die unnecessarily yes that's true now let's move on yeah um we talked about this earlier but what is the link between sickle cell 
and uh, mental health disorders? So this is, okay, this is another issue. So I think a lot of the time when we talk about sickle cell, we obviously as global health students, we love our stats, our epidemiology. We talk about the prevalence and the incidence of sickle cell. We talk about who has it and where and why, but we don't actually humanize it or put a humanistic element to it or a face to it is what I'm trying to say. And I think something that's, like it's starting to to happen now like more people are starting to talk about how it makes how it actually leaves them feeling and the psychosocial impacts of having such a chronic disease but what is not often spoken about is um the mental health impacts of sickle cell so as with any like chronic health illness um so you will you will have mental health disorders like the the like the chance the likelihood of you developing a mental health disorder is very very high um you're just you're just at higher risk and more susceptible to a mental health disorder so if if you look deeper that however it's not just it's not just um mental health but also the environment sorry it's not just sickle cell in its own and the disease but the environment that people are living in so if you look at the people mostly affected by sickle cell what is the environment like that they're living in um which is what we call the social determinants of health in global health so um, how does that affect say like the housing your the gender your gender eth- work ethnicity as well. like all the, all these factors come into play it's not just a disease that happens in silos like in isolation you don't just have sickle cell and that's it like a lot of things come into play especially determining the experience you have with the disease right um so with mental the most common type of mental uh health disorder you can have with sickle cell or that develops not as a result of but like in in alignment with sickle cell is depression um and this is largely like being seen in the symptoms that both both the diseases share so like um uh, loss of appetite weight loss pain insomnia Pain somnia is something that I read in one of the forums. So this is a lack of sleep due to the amount of pain that sickle cell sufferers are feeling. That sounds horrible. It does. It really does. Um, as someone with insomnia, like I can only imagine not being able to sleep because of pain, right? Um, the guilt of being a burden, like to people feeling like you're letting yourself down and not accomplishing uh, the things you should be and the hopelessness for the lack of cure. Um, the one that does, the one mental health disorder that does go unnoticed is anxiety. That could be a trigger as well. Yeah. So the tension and apprehension of feeling pain, as you said, it's quite, it's quite a trigger. Um, and a lot of people, as a result of it, a lot of people avoid going outside. Um, they avoid doing activity because they don't want to get ill. Um, and overthinking and the anxiety and depression, all of these kind of co, uh, exist like, they exist in comorbidity um and i think what what really was striking to me in doing our research was how a lot of people with sickle cell will embody and internalize the limitations of their disease so because because of how they're experienced because of how they're treated they kind of they feel like it's a hindrance or they just it becomes a way of life does that make sense obviously i'm i'm not speaking from experience guys this is or just um speaking to people speaking to people um 
reading articles, reading research, watching like tons of documentaries on it. And you can just you can just tell like how limiting it it can be towards their lives, right? Um but the one I found most interesting was how PTSD was linked to sick sickle cell. Um and this was in the fact that sickle cell crisis was kind of framed as a trauma. Oh, so okay. so like that people is. people who did get sick like say I've had an episode of sickle cell crisis now now you've got the pdsd the, because of the trauma exactly so because of how it made me feel or how it played out if it happens again i have that trauma of what happened last time um yeah so like muhammad touched on previously aside from like those very recognizable mental health disorders there are other like psych- psycho social stuff so like sustaining relationships because people can't deal with not not deal, but how do I say this? How would you say it, man? Probably sustain. <sighs> not sustain, but they can't support people with sickle cell in the way that they should be. Like, so I was speaking to one of my colleagues about this, and um, she has sickle cell trait, and like even though like she was ba- uh, she was bantering about it, she was like, I feel like if I meet a boy on the first date, I will ask him, do you have sickle cell trait? to see like how further it can progress and i know she was just playing I but mean, I, social media can help with that yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah because there's so many so groups, many apps that actually yeah. greet people with certain disorders yeah. and diseases yeah which is quite cool yeah so also destigmatizing this at the same time a hundred percent but then i feel like there was a lot of weight to what she said because as normal people you don't you don't really factor this kind of stuff when you're like in relationships or like when you make friends with people it's just like oh you know that's Mohammed. he's a cool guy whatever but when when you have sickle cell it's literally like oh my god does does he have is he gonna come a trait? To with will me? he come to the hospital um yeah it's just so like will they understand when i tell them actually guys i can't go do this event because of this I actually guys you guys want to go to this fancy dress party i can't wear this because of it do you know what i mean and it's just things we don't really, we, we really don't, we don't we think about this. Yeah, we take it for granted. And so I was reading as well, like I was, I was listening to another podcast and one of the psychologists on there was like, of a lot of people, what they'll do to prevent a lot of these mental health disorders is they'll find support groups. Um, they'll actually build really strong networks, not just within their family, but really good friends who have got good basic understanding of this. Um, they would do expressive writing they do like some sort of creative outlet which i've seen a lot um raising awareness of their disease um and i think a lot of it's just to help them like realize in hindsight that actually they are warriors and they can live a very um fulfilling life with the disease so yeah um and that's all i have to say on it man yeah i think that especially towards the end i think it's it's a lot of um it's just very emotional in a sense because it is. It really we is. go from statistics to like the disease and then the actual personalizing yeah. the disease and yeah. you look at all these factors that you have to consider because you have this disease uh, um yeah i think it's it's quite tragic that it doesn't yeah. receive the funding the or awareness. the attention that it does and it's so sad that the pe- the only people who actually know about it are those that have the condition that are, that's, yeah 
that's really what upsets me and this is why i think we thought it's really important to bring this to light to you guys um and exactly and we would have had someone actually do the second part yeah someone with the condition yeah and somehow we try and get someone with sickle cell with the disease to try and come in and actually give their own views and if and just like speak on the full extent of the disease because the full experience exactly um it's just so important that you guys are aware of it and it's not just another campaign that you have every year and you forget about it like yeah this is a real life condition 100 percent. many people are living with this and at the same time it's got implications so if you if you're aware about sickle cell you could donate blood yep and we're going to talk about that in our in second one, yeah. or third episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the need and for donors is out there. Like yeah. a, there's a lot of NHS campaigning yeah. campaigns th- for uh, blood donations. Uh, yeah, and as we said, guys, I really want to encourage you guys to follow like sickle cell groups. Um, uh, some of the most common ones are sickle cell society. Um, I'm just looking them up right now. Um, we can post it after. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, we'll Th- post it. There's on like our... patient support groups, and like there's so many ways you can get involved. You can volunteer for them. You can fundraise for them. Um, you can write for them. There's just so many things you can do, guys. And we really hope that you're inspired, um, and you, you you help out basically. Yeah. Exactly. So just closing, um, basically. Um, we're going to have the commentary after this um, episode and then after that commentary episode we're going to have an episode on blood donations and the significance of that. Yeah, especially in our community. Exactly, yeah. and how we can have more people actually actively being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, again, like Beauty said, we're going to have many more posts on where you can find information on this because mm-hmm. we kind of had to look through a lot to find information yeah it's quite it's quite bitty it's here and there it's not like concise in one place yeah yep but so anyways guys thank you so much for listening and <laughs> apologies for the, the lateness three week, three week lateness yeah <laughs> but we back we're back and we thank are. you so much for listening thank bye you. bye